We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. From the Clark Ford Studio in Oxford, Mississippi, MBW Digital proudly presents the Oxford Exxon Podcast. I'd say thanks for tuning in. But why am I going to give you a round of applause for something you're supposed to do, to be frank? And now, here are your hosts, Chase Parm. And broadcast school has really paid off. And Neil McCready. I deserve to be on TV. Welcome into another edition of Hand Raised Guys, presented by Comer Heating and Air and Southern Air Conditioning and Heating. I'm Neil McCready. Today on the show, I'm joined by Kerry Murdoch, Soonerscoop.com, and Michael Luker, the recruiting reporter for RebelGrove.com. We'll talk about Oklahoma's preparation for joining the SEC, how Sooners fans and Texas fans are different, one last year in the Big 12, and much more with Kerry before shifting to Ole Miss football recruiting and a tour around Major League Baseball with Michael. First, let me tell you about Comer and Southern. They've got different names, but they offer the same people, the same great products, and the same great services. If you live in Oxford, Batesville, Tupelo, or the surrounding area, call Comer, 662-801-1777. If you live in Hernando, Hernando, I should say, Memphis, or the surrounding area, call Southern, 662-429-4429. This will be the Friday Oxford Exxon podcast. Oxford Exxon on Highway 6 West in Oxford. Uh, we're coming up on 10 years with uh, the Oxford Exxon as our title sponsor. Do us a favor. If you're coming in or out of town, fill up at the Oxford Exxon. It's always clean on the inside as well. Great place to get some ribs for the weekend, both wet and dry. Uh, great beer selection, uh, good uh, soda selection, that kind of thing to cool yourself off on a hot summer weekend as uh, you enjoy summer here in Oxford. I'm coming to you from the Clark Ford Studios. Clark Ford's in Amory, Mississippi. 662-257-1900 is the number. Call it. Ask for Corey Clark. Tell Corey what Ford product you're looking for. He'll send you a quote within 15 minutes in business hours. Right to the bottom line. There's no hassle. There's no haggle. You get your quote, and the rest is completely up to you. You can shop that quote around, or you can do what I've done, what I recommend that you do, and that is hop into a Clark Ford today. 662 662- Two five seven nineteen hundred. All guests join on the MyPerfectFranchise.net hotline. If you're a displaced corporate executive, you're wanting to put your career in your own hands. If you're an experienced entrepreneur wanting to diversify, Andy Ludeke can help. He owns multiple franchises and businesses, and he uses his expertise to help others find their American dream through a very thorough and free consultation process. So call Andy. Put your life and your career in your own hands. It's 100% free. you got nothing to lose. Find your perfect franchise at myperfectfranchise.net. 
or contact Andy anytime at Andy at MyPerfectFranchise.net. You can also call his cell, 404-973-9901. Now a word from our sponsor, BetterHelp. It can be tough to train your brain to stay in problem-solving mode when faced with the challenge in life. But when you learn how to find your own solutions, there's no better feeling. A therapist can help you become a better problem-solver, making it easier to accomplish your goals, no matter how big or small. I've used therapy as a way to handle stress, to clear negative thoughts, mentally relax a little. For me, it was a life changer. Frankly, it increased my happiness. If you're thinking of giving therapy a try, BetterHelp is a great option. It's convenient, accessible, affordable, and it's entirely online. Get matched with a therapist after filling out a brief survey and switch therapist anytime. When you want to be a better problem solver, therapy can get you there. Visit BetterHelp.com slash MPW today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp.com slash MPW. Our next partner is Athletic Greens. I take AG1 by Athletic Greens literally every day. I drink AG1 because I wanted better gut health, sustained energy, immune system support, and I just hate taking pills. I drink AG1 every morning. First thing. I know that I'm giving my body something good, giving my body the nutrition it craves, and covering my nutritional basis. Covering my nutritional basis for the day literally couldn't be easier, which is why I trust Athletic Greens. I just mix one small scoop of AG1 with water and drink it first thing in the morning. Done. I also like that it costs less than $3 a day. Pretty good if you ask me. It's a really effective daily habit with the highest quality sourced ingredients. It's a win-win. If a comprehensive solution is what you need for your supplement routine, then Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Go to athleticgreens.com slash mpw. That's athleticgreens.com slash mpw. Check it out. Now here's Kerry Murdoch on the MyPerfectFranchise.net hotline. Kerry Murdoch of Soonerscoop.com, kind enough to join. Kerry, first of all, thanks for being here. Appreciate it. Hope you're having a good summer. Hey, Neil. It's always uh, good to be with you. Good talking to you again. And uh, now we are, uh, we're Eskimo brothers, so, sort of, if you, sort of. I, I don't know what you call conference members, uh, but something like that. So the last time that we had you on, I think the general consensus among everybody, it's not that we were, quote, wrong. It's just everybody kind of assumed, I think, that it was going to be 2025 before Texas and Oklahoma joined the SEC. Obviously, uh, that's been moved up a year. Texas and Oklahoma will join next year. And I, I say that to get into this. When we had that conversation, it was about a year ago, you said hey, t- Oklahoma might need all that time to get SEC ready. So it's been sped up a year. Do you still feel that way, or have they been able to maybe close that gap some? I'm trying to think. That was before six and seven happened, right? Uh, so yeah, they, they could probably use another year uh, to get ready. So yeah, it, it is what it is. I, I think that what we didn't know a year ago when we talked, or however long it was, is that they actually had a capable person replace Bob Bowlesby in the Big Twelve, uh, you know, commissioner's chair. Uh, and I think Brett Yormark was smart enough to say, "Okay, you know, we need to move on. We've already got these four teams coming in." Look at what's going on with the Pac-12. If they leave, maybe it helps us bolster our conference even further. So I think in the end, it just became a mutually beneficial situation for for all parties involved. 
what happened to get six and seven? From the outside, it looked like it was just this kind of almost a rebuild, which looked odd for Oklahoma mm-hmm. to be going through that. It was a massive in what you know Brent Benevels has talked about it a lot, but the you know, the roster turnover when you lose a head coach in this day and age, and especially a guy that is both your head coach and your offensive coordinator, it just decimated the offense. I mean, uh, you know, they also had, you know, very little depth at positions on both sides of the ball. Uh, you had a defense that was learning a new system. It wasn't like terrible, ugly football, uh, but it was it was one of those things where, you know, they were in most of the games except for when Dylan Gabriel was out with a concussion midway through the season. The Texas game was an abomination uh, to try and even watch. Uh, but it was one of those things where they would allow a team to drive down the field in, in it you know at the worst possible moments, and it was almost became like whoever had the football last won because the defense just never. You know, I mean, I think everybody knows that's paid attention to Oklahoma, like. Probably one of the biggest reasons Lincoln left Oklahoma is he he himself probably never believed that they would be able to build a championship defense uh, because it had been so long, uh, you know, in, in the world of college football, like you think back to 2010, like I've seen that 2010 team that won a Big 12 championship and you watch them play defense and you're just like, holy hell, like they used to play defense around here. Uh, and, you know, Kids have grown up, a generation has grown up thinking that Oklahoma sucks on defense uh, and that they're they're helpless. But, you know, it did get to that point and you wondered if it would ever be able to be fixed. And yeah, I think Brent Venables is about one of the few people in the country that would be able to come in and fix it. Not that he has, uh, but just both sides of the ball were just just struggling. And it, it was a incomplete team. Uh, you know, they had a few playmakers here and there. But they didn't have, you know, they no longer had Caleb Williams. I mean, he would have made a huge difference in six and seven, and probably they would have won four more games just with Caleb Williams. So Jeff Lebby's over there, and that's a it's a weird relationship with some Ole Miss fans and Jeff Lebby yeah. because number one, you have some people here in Oxford who really, really like Jeff Lebby a lot, and then you have some people who. I think they sort of viewed his departure from here as there being some acrimony between Lane Kiffin and Jeff. And I don't know, there probably was a decent amount and it was weird, it's complicated stuff. But he's over there. This is year two for him in that offense. As you mentioned, bringing in new people, all that stuff. Where's that offense this year? Well, that's the thing. It's, you know, that's the thing with offensive coordinators, isn't it, though? I mean, they're never universally liked no matter where they are. I mean, even Lincoln had sure. his detractors about running the football, uh, didn't do it enough, uh, you know, too many three and outs. And that's kind of continued a little bit with Jeff Levy because that's just kind of, you know, fans, uh, you know, there you have a the older generation fans like I do a radio show with an old guy. He's always talking about tight end down the middle is always open. Always throw it down. Like everyone has their little trope that they use, you know, that the offense doesn't do. Uh, I remember being a kid and you'd always have buddies like you can tell what play they're going to run before they even snap the ball. Like they tip it off every time. Like everybody has their thing. So no one is loved universally as an offensive coordinator. Uh, and, you know, Jeff Lebby's issue was he had to go out and scramble, find a quarterback. Now he found a, a decent quarterback in Dylan Gabriel, a guy that he'd worked with before. Uh, but he wasn't Caleb Williams. He wasn't Kyler Murray. He wasn't Baker Mayfield. He wasn't Jalen Hurts. Uh, so 
congratulations. I mean, Spencer Rattler got booed out of that stadium. I mean, now he's at South Carolina. I mean, it's like you, as a quarterback at Oklahoma, your expectation levels are that you're the number one pick in the NFL draft. Like, that's the only thing that's going to satisfy OU fans after the last five years is that's what they believe their quarterback should be the number one draft in the, in the NFL draft, or we'll go get somebody else, or we'll, we'll the five-star that's sitting behind him, I bet he's going to be the first-round pick in the draft. I mean, there are already people that feel like Dylan Gabriel had his shot and that they're ready to see Jackson Arnold, the five-star that they just signed. Uh, it, it is a very pressure-packed situation around the offense. So, I mean, I'll say this. The administration... They are backing Jeff Levy. They know that he is, you know, on the cusp of getting a head coaching job. And I've even talked to, you know, some people who are actively involved in the Jeff Levy war chest to make sure that if he takes another job, it's going to be for a head coaching job in a power five. They're not going to let him walk for, you know, a, a group of five offensive coordinator or a head coaching job. They want to make sure that he's one of the best paid offensive coordinators in the country. You mentioned Jackson Arnold. I mean, even from the outside, I hear nothing but people raving about him as a a future elite quarterback. We live in this transfer portal world now where if a kid goes, hey, I'm not getting to play, I'm out. I'm, I'm skating. I'm going to go someplace. I'm going to play there next year. Is there a world where Dylan Gabriel's healthy, but Jackson Arnold's the quarterback for the Sooners? He would just have to play poorly. I mean, I, you know, I don't think that you're going to see, because of that relationship like we spoke you know, Jeff Levy that goes all the way back to UCF with Dylan Gabriel. It would be it'd be hard for me to envision a, a situation where Levy, you know, just yanks Gabriel and, and replaces him with Arnold. And that but that's also acting like, you know, unlike the fans, they don't realize that Gabriel was actually a really good quarterback last year. Like, you know, the games that they lost TCU, he got a concussion. Uh he didn't play against Texas when they just got their heads kicked in. Uh and you know he wasn't always the reason that they were losing football games. I mean, he he did have some poor throws here and there, but what quarterback doesn't? Uh, and, you know, I just, I don't think that he's played poorly enough, even last year, to be benched. And and I will say this, too, about Jackson Arnold. Uh, you know, we have a, a, you know, we hired, you know, one of the younger, uh, better younger beat writers in the country. He was covering the Broncos, George Stoya. Uh, he went and sat in the stands with Jackson Arnold's parents uh, during the spring game and for the first half just to kind of talk to him, see how they were handling it, you know, first big experience in front of a crowd. From the stories that he told me and kind of some off the records, I don't think he could have a better support system. He doesn't have, uh, you know, a helicopter dad that's, you know, I think demanding that his son get in there and play right. He knows he's going to take some bumps and bruises. He knows it's not going to be easy. Uh, and he kind of enjoys from what I, you know, I, we could tell just listening to George talk about it. He kind of enjoys seeing him go through the bumps and bruises and getting humbled a little bit because, I mean, he was the Gatorade national player of the year. Uh, and I think his dad knows like, you know, he's not as good as he thinks he is. What's it like for the fans, for you as a media guy, kind of like going through a, one last season in the big 12 with Cincinnati in the league. I'm looking at the schedule. I mean, it's like, we did all this talk about the 2024 schedule, and I'll talk to you about it in a minute, but you look up and you got Cincinnati and you got Iowa State. You do have Texas, which at least will be familiar. UCF as a conference game. Mm -hmm. You got to go to Lawrence. You got one last year of Bedlam in, in Stillwater, West Virginia. 
BYU, TCU, knowing that a year later it's it's the SEC, what's this like to go through this thing one more time? Uh an exercise in futility maybe is the best way to describe it. I mean, you're, you're talking about, you know, I think fans are excited to go somewhere different. Like if the sec change wasn't happening, they'd still be excited to, to go to Provo, Utah. And, you know, you've seen a lot of those football games on TV. It looks like a really cool stadium. I still don't understand the drinking situation around game days in Provo. I've been told all kinds of different things. Uh, you know, I, it's just one of those things. It's like, I think the fans were so sick and tired of, oh, it's Baylor, it's TCU, Iowa State. Like, what are we doing here? Like, where's Nebraska? Where's, you know, Colorado? Where's Texas A&M? It just like so many games that they cared about or, you know, were intriguing or places that they've gone were stripped from them. I just think there's there's something that they like in the newness of it, regardless of whether they're leaving in a year or not. Are you an eight game or nine game schedule guy? I'm you- nine game if everybody makes more money, but you know, eight game, I'm I I don't really have an issue with it. I mean, I'm I'm not really passionate one way or the other. I just figured it's about money. It's about whether ESPN's gonna, you know, cough up more money, the SEC, if they go to a nine game schedule. I mean, am I wrong there? No, I think you're exactly right. I think it's I think it's Sankey doing kind of what Sankey does. And I mean that in a complimentary way. His job is to make a deal that's going to bring as much money as possible to the, at this point, 16 member institutions. And ESPN's going, well, why should we pay more? And he's like, well, if you yeah. want more, you're going to pay more. And so it's kind of my theory that this is this season coming up is sort of like, not to minimize it, but it's kind of like it's nostalgia and whatever, and one last time. And then I think 2024 nationally, but especially for the Power Two, the SEC mm-hmm. and, the, and the and the Big Ten, I think it's for everybody involved: the 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 Big Ten, the SEC, the people at Fox, the people at ESPN, and the people that do the college football playoff, which will be 12 teams at that point. I think. For everybody, it's going to be. You know what? Let's just take in a lot of data here. Let's see what let's see what this looks like, what this feels like, and then we can adjust on the fly. They've proven they can look. If you told me in twenty twenty five it's a nine game schedule and it's a sixteen team playoff, I'd completely believe it. I mean, they the, the whole deal. Oh, we can't do anything for seven years. That's crap. You can do it. You can do it almost instantaneously now. Look at the twenty twenty four schedule that got released, and you know what I mean. Yeah. Well, and like you said, if, if you're at a 12-team playoff, who really cares? I mean, the, the 12 teams, you're going to figure out who really deserves to be there, regardless if you have eight or nine conference games. Yeah, for sure. I, so I, I, I think I think it will go to nine because I think ESPN will look at the new matchups. Like, I'm looking at Oklahoma's schedule for 2024. I mean, they, they, they've played Texas forever, but Oklahoma at Auburn's a huge game. From yeah. a from an excitement standpoint, right? Uh, Oklahoma at LSU is just a monster. I mean, from a, if I'm if I'm TV, I'm not even talking about the game or who wins or who loses or any of that stuff. If I'm TV, I get Oklahoma and LSU on the same field in Baton Rouge. Put that thing at six o'clock at night on ESPN. I'm, I'm my my how do you, 
My, my How do you, I mean, you talk about those games and welcoming Oklahoma or Texas in. Like, what do you think the SEC fans' general feel is about the fan bases of those two programs? Is it like uh, with Oklahoma, I kind of see it more like, okay, people know that this is a football school. This is kind of what they do. Their their entire identity is built around it. When Austin, you know, with, with Texas coming in and people from Austin, I had a feeling they think it's like a bunch of boss hogs are going to, you know, land in their city with their Cadillacs, with their longhorns on the front of the car. I think that's right. You know, Texas came here to Ole Miss in 2012. And, you know, it was, this place was a zoo. I mean, it was the first time Texas had been here in forever. You know, I think what they expected was tons of Texas people, lots of like rich people and, and, you know, Matthew McConaughey and Bevo and the whole experience. And that's kind of what they got to be honest. I mean, (laughs) it's kind of what it was. I mean, it was, it was a zoo, you know, because Ole Miss has the, the, the Grove and all the stuff that's been built around the tailgating. And so everybody, like the Oklahoma people, they come here in 2024. They, they, a lot of them are going to want to, okay, I've heard about the Grove. I've never had a reason to go to the Grove. Now I do. I want to see what that's like. I mean, I think there's going to be so much of that kind of excitement in 2024 because of what you said, it's the newness. And for Ole yeah. Miss, getting Oklahoma to come here to play is going to be a huge deal. It, it you know it, it is really strange because you know these are two fan bases OU in Texas that see each other every year for who they really are. I mean, you, they're both equally split in a ninety thousand seat stadium. So like in Oklahoma, I don't know what they call it in in Mississippi, but you know we have the Oklahoma tuxedo, which is a sport coat, uh, a button down shirt, into jeans with boots on. Okay, uh, and like Texas, their whole fan base is basically. Coach's polo tucked into jeans with it's it's an Oklahoma tuxedo without the sport coat basically, okay. and then and then a coach's polo up top. Whereas like somewhere in the two thousands, I I I always find this funny, and I've mentioned it all the time, but a lot of grown men don't realize it, but they started dressing exactly like Bob Stoops when they went to games, like they were wearing khakis and the sideline Nike polo and a and a visor, and I was just like, do you guys not understand you? <laughs> This isn't Halloween. Like you guys are literally dressing like you're getting ready to go out there and coach next to Bob Stoops. What what is the difference for people at like Ole Miss, Mississippi State, Alabama, Auburn that they've watched Texas and OU from afar because they're big time national programs? But they well, I'll say this. I'll say this. I mean, the one thing it's nothing like Texas A and M. Like that's a different planet <laughs> from Texas. Like. Girls and old girls everywhere. Like, I don't get the game day get up for those people. (laughs) So bizarre. It's like nothing. It's It's a cult. I figured, yeah, it's a cult. We talked about this, but like, I figured it's, is LSU like, is it just a little different crowd than pretty much everywhere? Do they distinguish themselves? Yeah. Like Florida. Oh, the, yeah, the long time, you know, jorts jokes about Florida fans. Yeah. yeah. Um, But it is, it's, there's some some kind of like now you have like this. I, I downloaded like the Photoshop beta that will uh, you know do the AI pictures like you can tell it to do a background and stuff. Like if there was if AI if you just said Florida fan or Ole Miss fan or Mississippi State fan, like I'm assuming Mississippi State fans would just be wearing oh you know Mississippi State stuff with a cowbell. That's probably what Photoshop would draw. Pretty pretty much. But, there's got to be something for every fan base that just signifies 
what that fan base looks like as a as a horde on game days. So from the outside, my view of Oklahoma is really favorable. I, yeah. I don't, you know, I, I don't know why that is. I've, I've been there a couple of times. My uh, my oldest looked at Oklahoma before she made her college choice, and we we spent a couple of days on the campus. Um, so my view of the place is pretty favorable. My view of the fans is pretty favorable. Uh, I think for most of the Ole Miss people, their view of Oklahoma, it's kind of built around the baseball interaction last year, which was from all accounts, pretty pleasant. Um, my view of Texas from a distance. And I don't know. I, I, I covered, like I said, I covered a home and home. I covered the game here. I covered the game in Austin in, in 2013 when Ole Miss won is more they're kind of elitist. They're a little snobbier. Um, I don't know. I don't know whether that's whether that's fair or whether that's just me making a, a sweeping judgment on one day. Because the day that I was there, they, they, it was clear that they weren't going to be very good, and they mm-hmm. were they were in a pretty shitty mood. And and Ole Miss kind of kicked the crap out of them that night. Turned out to be a pretty yeah. good Ole Miss team. Um, okay, but I guess that's kind of my view of it. I don't. I, I'm. I have this, and and I don't know why, and you correct me if I'm wrong, I have this view that Oklahoma has a more realistic view of what it's about to walk into in 2024 than Texas does. Like, I think from whatever reason, the sense that I get is that Oklahoma fans sort of know, hey, this is this is going to be a little different. This is go- that we're going to have our hands full and that Texas people are like, we got this. We're going to, we're, we're going to own this league in two years. Yeah. I mean, there's arrogance. I don't know if it's that much arrogance that, you know, owning the league, I think, you know, but definitely it's, it's probably been one of those things where Texas and, and Texas A&M and Oklahoma, they're being their main rivals where it's like, if anybody's having success, it's just like, oh, that's going to go away and we're finally going to be back on top, you know, in a couple of years. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's there's some arrogance, which, you know, for OU fans, they'll tell you that's what makes the Cotton Bowl so sweet every year when they beat them is because they come in. Like, I think I, I have so many people that follow on Twitter and their handles are like uh, 49 nothing because that was the OU Texas score last year. Yeah. Like, People like you know that try and troll and stuff like that. Like that is their identity that they beat Oklahoma forty nine nothing for a lot of their fans, uh, as if it's a harbinger of things to come for you know for all time now. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, but it's not. I don't know it, the McConaughey thing takes it so far over the top. Like it's just like OU, like their most notable guys, like Toby Keith, like. And, you know, he's got a lot of, you know, songs about, you know, drinking and, you know, putting your boot up people's asses and stuff like that. But, like, it's not an arrogance you know, or just a weirdness like McConaughey for him to be there. So I guess those two kind of represent kind of what the fan bases really are, are kind of like. That's interesting. Yeah. McConaughey was here back then. And, yeah, it was all, it was different. The, the, I don't know. I mean, the, the, everybody but here's the thing too about Texas. Like you got to realize they're coming from a place where they've been down for a long time. They've, they've tried different coaches. I mean, they tried uh, Herman. Then now, now they're with Sarkeesian. And it's like the book has not been written on whether Sarkeesian's a success or a failure yet. So they can still look at it and say, 
well, we got Arch Manning. Uh, we have Sarkeesian. We just we just had a running back in Bijan Robinson that was one of the best in the country. Mm-hmm. Like we're on the up. Like they need Texas fans need this. Like they need to have some you know unrealistic expectations because they've just been really shitty for a, a long time now. Well, I'm looking at their recruiting the other day, and again, it's just June as we record this, and so nobody's finished with their recruiting class on June the 22nd or whatnot. So they might end up with the best class in the country. There's the caveat. But right now, for a program that's supposedly on the up and and is sexy and the big brand and Arch Manning and all of that stuff, they're like 70th in the rivals rankings. And I'm, I don't know what they are in on three or two, four, seven or whatever, but it's probably in the same ballpark. They're not just tearing it up on the recruiting trail. And it makes you wonder, well, if this Sarkeesian thing doesn't work. And again, I'm not saying it won't. But if it doesn't, kind of, that's it's a long period of time where you don't win. And I'm I'm a definite subscriber to the theory that just because you won for decades doesn't mean that you'll win in future decades. And just because you right. didn't win in certain decades doesn't mean that you can't find a, a recipe to become a, a big winner, especially in a sport that has changed so drastically in the last few years in terms of the way that you can build a roster. I, I don't, I don't know that it's assured that that Texas ever gets back to what it was when Mac Brown had them rolling, and he Mac Brown absolutely had them rolling. Well, I mean, think if you're Texas, like, you know, you're you're only a couple of years from removed, and it's not a, it's not this last year. It wasn't as much of an embarrassment to, for if it would have happened, but you're basically two years removed from you know. As I said, Texas fans are, you know, they're putting 49 nothing as their Twitter handle. Uh, well, you had OU fans two years ago saying Kansas beat Texas, you know, things like that. And, and like, you remember that, like, like losing to Kansas twice when they were the bottom feeders of the Big 12 conference, it happened to you. Like, that's stuff that people don't forget. And it's, you know, what, like you said, all the money, all the, you know, all the guys that, you know, the fame, the, the the donors and all that stuff that are you know that kind of control things and you know they have like 50 different athletic directors for 50 different sports it seems like um yet they they lose to kansas twice like it's it's one of those you couldn't make and while they're doing all that tcu comes out of nowhere and goes to the national championship a year ago like how i'm sure that has to drive texas fans and alumni crazy is to see stuff like that happen, and they're just telling themselves, when is it going to happen for us? I mean, I, I just pulled up their schedule for 2024, and we don't know the dates of the SEC games yet. The only dates that you know for sure are Colorado State, at Michigan, UTSA, and ULM. But at some point after that, they're going to play Oklahoma in, in Dallas. They have to go to Arkansas. They have to go uh, to Texas A&M. God, they'll be, that place will be a zoo. They have to go to yeah. Vanderbilt, and they get uh, Florida, Georgia, Kentucky, and Mississippi State at home in Austin. I mean, that's not going to be a cakewalk. I mean, the last time they went to, last time they went to Arkansas, they got boat raced. Um, Georgia's really, really, really good, as you probably have imagined. And I'd hate to be the Texas A&M coach that loses to Texas that day in whatever game, whatever date that is in 2024. That would not be pleasant. No, it would not be. I mean. It, that's the thing about the SEC, though. You look at both of those schedules, Oklahoma and Texas's, 
think maybe Oklahoma is a little tougher. Uh, so. You know, road to Baton Rouge, you know, Alabama, Tennessee. Um, but it's hard. It's You can have a debate, a fair debate either way. I mean, like you guys are used to that. Like, okay, this is on our schedule this year. It's kind of like, um, you know, it, it would be like you go out to buy a car and like you're, you're, you have all these choices. It's like, you know, kind of a, a Nissan, uh, Toyota or, you know, a Mazda or something like you're shopping in that pool. And that's what the big 12 is. Whereas the sec is like, well, if I show up to work with one of those, they're going to think that I'm not getting paid very much. Like I've, I've got to get a Lexus or a BMW or like, it's just a different category that you're in now to where, you know, you have one of those, you have a Nissan and you start driving a BMW, you can't really point out what's wrong with it. Whereas if you're in, in the SEC and you're shopping in the Lexus BMW Mercedes category, you're like, you could actually be disappointed sitting in the Mercedes because you're like, this isn't as good as, you know, the Lexus that I drove last week. Like, it's just your view of schedules and how it all works out. It's very different than how Oklahoma and Texas fans are looking at it. It's more of a holy shit moment for, you know, when Big 12 fans look at that schedule. Yeah, I would think so. I would think when you look at a road schedule and you've got to go to LSU and you've got to go to Tennessee and you've got to go to Ole Miss and where was the other one? Alabama or Alabama comes there? Uh, Alabama comes to Norman, I believe. Yeah, I yeah, that's that's looks a little different than Iowa State, TCU, and West Virginia for sure. Um I'm curious. You talked about the Big Twelve, and and they made the wise decision to go. Hey, let's 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 move on. We need to we need to cut bait. What are you hearing in kind of Big Twelve country a little bit about where where the Big Twelve goes moving forward? Are they going to pluck some teams out of the out of the Pac-12? In your opinion, that's the question. I mean, you know, I think Colorado is one of those teams that's like, let's see what's out there. I mean that. The whole, you know, unity thing that they were pushing, that narrative is over. I mean, it's clear people want to know how much they're gonna make and how much they're gonna be behind. Yeah. Because I gotta think, you know, somebody like Deion Sanders is like, look, we're gonna make twenty five million a year and the Big Ten's gonna make sixty. Like, how we're we're recruiting against those teams. How do we even compete in that situation? Like when you do that over multipliers of four, five, six years, it becomes right, yeah. it, 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 you're, you're talking about more you're than playing a, a billion dollars. Yeah, you're not yeah. even in the same ballpark. A different league, yeah. So, I mean, there's got to be panic. I think it's just when is the first shoe drop? Like, and like the ESPN thing with you know eight and nine games in the SEC, I'm sure they want to get a deal in the Pac-12 in case they have to pay all this money extra to the SEC for you know more broadcast for for conference games. And and you know the Pac-12, it doesn't seem like any of the networks are really making that a priority. Last couple of things, Bedlam this year, is it, knowing it's not on the schedule moving forward, is it going to be pretty hostile? Or is it always hostile? It, it's always been one of my games that I'm like, that's a game I want to go see. Every time I look at it on TV, I'm like, I, I want to go check Bedlam out. It's a fun game, yeah. I mean... It looks fun, but it does. It, is it going to be nasty? There will be some nastiness now. OU and OSU, except for football, they're going to continue playing each other. So, uh, you know, basketball, men's, women's, you know, baseball, certainly. Um, so, you know, I think maybe that it's it's not a like with A&M in Texas, it was just a split. Like 
just they didn't exist anymore. I think with Oklahoma State, they you know they were certainly pissed when it, it happened, and rightfully so. And but at the same time, it's like it was kind of interesting to see like could Oklahoma really pull this off? Like could they leave the Big Twelve and leave Oklahoma State behind? And they could, like they did. Like I was surprised that that they did it. And you know there was some talk of political pressure. There always is in these things, but nothing really amounted to anything. So um, it will be very emotional. Although I'll say this, Mike Gundy lost a ton of players, just handled the transfer portal horribly. And Oklahoma State, that game will be late in the season. They might be terrible by the time they play. That leads into something I was going to ask you about. Uh, Spencer Sanders is here for his final season. I don't yeah. know. I have no idea what's I mean, I I think Jackson Dart's the quarterback, but I I question if Jackson's the quarterback, why Spencer would have come uh, anyway. You saw him play a lot. Uh you saw the Bedlam games against yeah. Oklahoma. What are your thoughts on Spencer Sanders, the quarterback? He is, you know, he is really good. I mean, he when he's healthy, which I don't know how much he's been healthy at Oklahoma State. He always had really, not really, but at least one of the side of his offensive line was always terrible. Like he never really had a, a great offensive line at Oklahoma State. Never had really a great running back, although Jalen Warren's doing pretty well in the NFL. Um, he just didn't have a lot. Of, he always had really good receivers. I mean, he can throw the football and he can he can escape the pocket. He can run. He can make plays with his feet. Like. It'll be interesting to see what Lane tries to do with him or what type of quarterback, if he just lets him freelance or uh, if, you know, he wants to stick him, you know, into one, you know, particular role. But, you know, not always the most accurate guy, but, you know, can make some mistakes. But when he's good, like that Notre Dame game uh, in the Fiesta, in the, I think it was Fiesta Bowl, uh, he was fantastic and they couldn't do anything. I mean, He's definitely had his moments. But I would say this, if, if you ask any OU fan, in the bigger games that he's had, he's not always performed all that well. So, you know, OU fans would probably tell you, you know, that he's either not very good or that, that he, he, he they were never afraid of him for any reason. I know it's not your beat, but can Gundy survive another bad year or two given what happened to him in the portal? I mean, it'd have to be two. I think... I think the Boone Pickens Foundation is ready to give them another giant check uh, to, to continue building facilities. So oh, the money's coming in still. Um, but, you know, now I think the thing that happened with Mike is, you know, he always had uh, an athletic director that was an older guy, the former golf coach, Mike Holder, and they were always at odds. Like, he was old school. Mike was... Mike's old school too, but I think it was kind of one of those things like Holder saw him still as that quarterback that used to be, you know, play for Oklahoma State and not the grown man he'd become, the head coach. Uh, and I think him having that friction kind of kept him honest. And then when Holder left, they brought in Chad Weiberg, who was kind of in waiting to take over. And I think he was a younger guy and probably wasn't great at pushing back when he saw something he didn't think was right in the, in the football program. And I think Mike kind of got to do whatever he wanted to do, which left to his own devices. It wasn't the best thing. So 
you know, and we saw what happened in the transfer portal. I mean, the Spencer Sanders thing was really weird. Yeah. And it makes no sense. Like, cause yeah. he, he would be their quarterback. Right. And, and they had to go out and get Alan Bowman, you know, who big 12 fans will remember that name, but he got lost at Michigan. I mean, and we re- I thought he was a really good quarterback when he was at tech early in his career. Um, but yeah, it's just, it, it was so weird. I mean, it, it was almost like he, he lost touch with reality. Uh, nobody was there to really snap him back out. And it seems like now he's kind of, you know, there were, it was even like the last game of the season. He got mad at a reporter for asking him if there were any coaching changes, just snapped at a reporter. Um, when we all knew that Mike, next time you'd probably talk to him would be spring football because he doesn't do off-season media. Um, so there was just, I mean, he's got to prove to a lot of people that he's not turning into crazy old man yelling at the clouds. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. Um, last, last couple things, I promise. Uh, I see the softball t-shirt behind you. We, Ole Miss has never been able to really gain consistent um, traction in softball. God, obviously, Oklahoma has. From a site standpoint, a coverage standpoint, you guys pretty much have to cover them at this point, right? There's that much interest? Yeah. I mean, you know, this was the first year we covered them daily. Uh, and we got killed last year because that you know our subscribers were like pissed, like why aren't you covering softball? He's like, well, we'd like to. We're not really built for that, and so we had to go out and like think of like, okay, how do we uh, adjust our staff and and cover softball and uh, you know? But yeah, it became that thing, and it it was beneficial for us to do it. I mean, we sold like those shirts. We sold like twenty thousand dollars worth of those shirts, like wow. over seven hundred, like just just kind of like we we do a bunch of like we never never did merch before we moved into these offices and so i i like doing experiments i like you know saying okay if we do a t-shirt for the pod how many of those will we sell like let's figure out what we're good at what we're not good at and then we can kick stuff to the curb or we can keep going um and softball is one of those things and there's no way we'll ever be able to go back now even if they don't end up with like seven national championships in a row i mean people want the softball coverage. It's, it's, and it's fun. I mean, I, I don't have a problem because I think softball is a really fun game to watch and cover. Yeah. So does ESPN. That's why they put, that's why they put it on so much. Bless you. That's why they put it on so much. It's two hours. It's easy. It's quick. It's, you don't have to have tons of cameras. The field's not very big. It's from a TV standpoint, though. I'll tell you, we'd much rather put this on all day because you can schedule around it. Well, I mean, the most fascinating thing about it was really to, just the pressure that that Oklahoma was under, you know, having the win streak, having the, you know, two in a row, trying to make it three in a row. Like you could tell it's something that Patty Gasso was like, you know, this is, this is reality, but this is not really what any of these girls signed up for to have this much attention and pressure that they basically all became rock stars. Uh, and, you know, other than UConn basketball, I don't know another program in women's sports that's had to kind of undergo that kind of scrutiny. I mean, I saw the Oriema stuff the other day when uh, he was on a charity golf course or something, and you could tell, like, he's pissed off that UConn is no longer considered that type of program. So when I think he gave his slogan for what the team slogan should be, it was I, – I enjoyed that slogan. What was the slogan? He, can you F-bomb on here? Yeah, go for it. He said, fuck it, just win. Yeah. In a lot of ways, that's – Really, what college athletics has become is that, but not for women's sports. Like you know, I mean, like Gino is probably the first guy that, like, 
I think a lot of people just hated him because he was brash and, you know, he, it was like he was coaching, you know, a mids team, basically. Like he could, you know, swing his D all he wanted to. I mean, it was just like, okay, you have a women's sports coach and they're arrogant. Like that's new to me. I don't like yeah. that. Like, yeah. So, I mean, and I'm not saying Patty Gasso was arrogant. I mean, she broke down a lot emotionally at the tail end run of that, but, um, it will be nice, you know, that for OU fans to say that they have the best of something when they go to the SEC with the new softball facility. Well, they'll have that for sure. All right. Last thing you mentioned Texas A&M earlier, and I'm curious on this. I, I, I kind of, I talked to people both on and off the air about this. Whenever I interact with Texas A&M people, they're so nice. They're so mm-hmm. considerate. They're very polite. And yet I catch myself and I don't know why this is. I cheer against them against virtually everybody and everybody else says the same thing. Is it just the whole cult thing and we're against it? Or what is it about Texas A&M that almost unifies people universally against them? It's the dead dogs. It's the, you know, just the, the overalls. Uh, it's the yell leaders, yell practice. Um, yeah. I mean, as a, like you said, I know several people went to Texas A&M. They're normal people, man, but you put them together. Like one of those yell practices and it turns into the howdy doody bizarro land. I mean, <laughs> it's, it's off putting and it's, it's, I know they always like to say the, you, you know, from the outside, you can't understand it or whatever. Like, no, nobody can understand it because it's stupid. I don't understand it. Yeah. It's no the, one wants to understand this. Like, I've it's, always it's, looked at that, that Jimbo Fisher landing when he got the job and he's walking on the tarmac or whatever and they've got the, the North Korean band playing for him and all the, the, the cheerleaders and stuff. And you could just see Jimbo in his mind going 96 million, 96 million, 96 million, 96 million, just saying it over and over and over. So he doesn't turn around and run back into the plane and go get me the hell out of here. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it can't be defended. Like, I don't care, no matter what you say, A&M fans, like, you can't defend yourselves. And they don't try to. I mean, they're just like, we're, I mean, I wish it would be more like, yeah, we're weird. We understand it. But you don't even get So, it's just, I I don't get that thing. I I don't. And you have to do it a certain way or it's not right. You're like that. You're like, get. Yeah. Yeah. Make you clean Reveille's cages or something. 
I've had fun with Ross Bjork the few times that I've seen him because he was the former AD here and yeah. I'll yeah. see him at functions and I'm like, you know, how's how's things with the cult? And he'll just laugh at you, you know. <laughs> what can he say? He was, you know, like, hey, I, he's probably I mean, the thing, like, what other school is like that? I can't. Nothing else is like it. I mean, all schools have a certain cultish base, if you will, but theirs is so universal and widespread and the whole thing. And it's just, yeah, it's, and then, but you're right. I mean, like I'll deal with like some of the Texags guys and they're, they're just some of the best people. They're super nice. They're always helpful. And yeah, I, I mean, like, great. Yeah. you know, I mean, it's just, it's a, it's a funny thing. I don't know. It's, it's a, it's a fan. You nailed it. It's the stupid, it's the cheerleaders and the, the night yell and all this and the stuff that it's so corny it's bad but anyway hey man I, I kept you i uh, kept you a long time i really appreciate uh really appreciate uh, you know i was hanging out with you so it's cool thunder gonna do anything tonight are they gonna trade up i think i i guarantee presty has his mindset on who he wants at 12 and it's probably somebody that nobody else wants and hopefully it's another Jalen williams so. yeah it's all you can hope for they're, they're fun that's good i mean I saw somebody today tweet. Uh, somebody used to be in the media that went into PR, and he was like, "He was like Sam Presti just can't help himself if there's a seven-one French guy out there, that no, that that's going to stick around in his league for three more years." Like you know, yeah, it probably he'll probably draft and stash or something. I mean, they got that this uh, midich guy or whatever that you know supposedly twenty-nine-year-old Euro guy that I'm I'm kind of excited to see if he. Could do anything. So yeah, Vasily Micic. Vasily yeah. Micic, yes. Micic, yep. Yeah, I'd love it if they trade up, though. I mean, I, you know, they got the draft picks. I mean, do something weird, Sam. Come on. Yeah, it feels like they're close. Hey, buddy. As always, I really appreciate it. Look forward to uh, being in the same league with you and getting to see you more um, down the road. I might see you at, at Nashville if you go down this year. I'm yeah, I'll be there. About media days. So yeah. Well, if you need if you need anything from me, let me know. All right, man. Appreciate it. Thanks, Gary. Took a break in the podcast to tell you about Prime Shrimp. You can get seven different flavors delivered directly to your door. A couple of my favorites, the Signature, the New Orleans-style barbecue. They're great for salads. They're great for lunches, quick snacks, or even dinner to feed your family. The summer's pretty busy, so let Prime Shrimp take care of you. Again, with all those different flavors, few within 10 minutes, freezer to plate, and you get restaurant-quality shrimp. They also offer the uh, two-pound bags of individually frozen shrimp, a lot like was at the grocery store, except a higher-quality shrimp from the New Orleans-based company. They're also available in Rouse's Markets if you have one of those nearby. But if you need them mail to you, we can help you out. You buy five pouches or more and use code RG, and you get 25% off. That's code RG, 25% off, primeshrimp.com. Summer is here. And Heavenly Sunshine Property would like to take the opportunity to remind you about the importance of taking care of your outdoor living spaces. Regular maintenance is key to preserving the beauty and integrity of your home or business. And one of the most effective ways to maintain is through power washing. Some of the key benefits include increased curb appeal, damage prevention, creating a healthier environment. It also saves you time and money. They've been serving the Mid-South and Oxford for over four decades. Their full-service commercial and residential property maintenance includes power washing, soft wash roof cleaning, facade cleaning, and window cleaning. Don't wait until it's too late. Contact Heavenly Sunshine today and get ready to enjoy a brighter, cleaner outdoor living space. HeavenlySunshine.com or 662-342-1203. You get a free estimate. You can book that today. You can use code MPW10 for a 10% discount. Podcast also brought to you by Northeast Spark, N-E-S-P-A-R-C. Service people across rural communities. Two packages. 
the Ignite, the 100 Mbps, or the Blaze, the one gig that powers the Clark Ford Studio, your hometown team bringing you world-class broadband. That's anyspark.com, 662-238-3159. Get the best internet in Lafayette County, also parts of Union and Pontotoc counties for those who previously did not have internet. And then last but definitely not least, GNM Pharmacy, 662-236-2222. They're right there on South Lamar and Oxford. They're my pharmacy. They deliver stuff to me every day. They do that for free. Free local delivery with G&M. Take care of all your pharmaceutical needs. They even help you transfer your medications. If you're using one of those big box pharmacies that doesn't care about you, switch to G&M. You make one phone call, they take care of the rest. Done, simple, easy with G&M in Oxford or Tyson Drugs in Holly Springs. Again, that's 662-236-2222. That was Kerry Murdoch. Soonerscoop.com covers Oklahoma. The uh, Sooners headed to Oxford in uh, 2024. At some point, the specific date hasn't been announced, but the Sooners will uh, be playing at Vaught-Hemingway in an SEC football game in uh, 2024, which is pretty cool, for especially for those of us who a few years ago sort of said, hey, this is going to happen. Oklahoma is going to be in the SEC. And they are. So, again, thanks to Corey. I mean to Kerry, not Corey. Kerry Murdoch for his time. We'll uh, get a little more local. We'll talk some Ole Miss football recruiting, some Major League Baseball here in just a moment with Michael Luker. First, I'll tell you that uh, in that interview, as we recorded on Thursday afternoon, I was expecting an Ole Miss uh, commitment. I think that commitment's going to come on Friday. Um, it, it's a flip, and the uh, the decommitment portion of the um, flip has occurred. So, but I won't uh, I won't totally steal the thunder here on uh, draft night. So I'll let, uh, let that happen on Friday and uh, we'll have coverage of that at, uh, at rebelgrove.com. But for now, uh, let's talk some Ole Miss football recruiting, some major league baseball, Houston Rockets and others with things with uh, Houston native and rebel Grove intern, Michael Luker here on the, myperfectfranchise.net hotline. Michael Luker covers recruiting for uh, rebelgrove.com. Michael, welcome into the show. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? Good. Um, first of all, I guess we'll start with this. It's your kind of introduction to the podcast. Um, you, you kind of started with this in what, January? Has this um, been kind of what you thought it would be? Has it been easier, harder? What have been the, what have been the eye-opening moments for you? You know, it's probably been a little harder than I uh, originally would have imagined. You know, covering recruiting in this day and age, it's it's different. You know, it's it's hard to reach out. You know, these kids, you know, a lot of them really only want to talk to national guys and stuff like that. Um, and in this current landscape, you know, there's a lot of stuff that under the radar just to like, you know, kids have to get interviews and stuff like that. But you know, just interviewing these kids, it, it's hard because a lot of them want a little bit of money to, you know, do an interview and stuff like that. Um, but it, it's definitely hard um, and challenging. But, you know, especially, uh, when, especially when your boss won't let you pay them for interviews. Yes. That's, yes. Uh, that, that makes it even harder. I, I just don't I, I've never understood the 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 business side of, of uh, paying a kid 50 bucks to tell me that a place felt like home. I, 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 I don't. Don't yeah, it, it doesn't make a lot of sense just to hear, oh, yeah, I love the Grove or, you know, et cetera. Oh, yeah, I love the quad at Alabama or, you know, I, I love I coach so and so. Yeah, he's yeah, cool. he's a he, real family man. Yeah, it, it's just it's you know, it's different and it's more fluid than it's ever been, at least in my opinion. You know, I'm only 21, so I haven't you know, I've only been doing this for six months. 
but you know with nil and everything like that which you know players really don't talk about too you know they're very under the you know they like to keep that close to their chest um but you know recruiting so fluid that now it's you know you don't really know who leads you know it's whichever team offers the most money is most more than likely going to land a kid so that's kind of changed a lot of things and even now with commitments in june you know they don't really mean as much as they used to you know basically all it means now is that hey this team leads for a kid but until pen comes to paper on you know pen meets paper in december for signing day then anything is up in the air so as we record this, it's like 3.40 in the afternoon on Thursday. I'm expecting Ole Miss to add another commitment in the next 20 minutes or so. So by the time you hear this, see this, it will either have happened or it won't have happened. Um, I'm told by our national people that it is absolutely happening, so I, I take their word for it. We've got graphics and everything. Um, what do you make of this recent run of commitments for Ole Miss? They, they've been kind of on a flurry here the last, I don't know, a little over a week, really. They've almost a person a day, sometimes more than that, a, a lot of activity, a lot of what I perceive to be momentum. Um, you, what do you, what do you think? Yeah, I think they have a lot of momentum right now. Um, you know, I think they've done a really good job of getting players in for visits and stuff like that. You know, they had the almost had the three Friday night lights camps um, and they got a lot of good players, uh, you know, in on those visits and a lot of them ended up committing or some of them ended up committing. Um, but they've got a lot of good momentum right now. Um, I expect a couple of commitments um, in the end of this month and then potentially a few next month. Um, but, you know, I really think they're only in on, you know, 12. To f- I think they're I think they've got 13 total commits right now. So 14, if you add um, whoever who's popping later today. Um, and I really think they're going to be around 19 or 20. You know, I don't I don't think Lane Kiffin and staff are ever really going to sign a, a class that is you know, traditional, like a 25 person class, 26, et cetera, just because of the transfer portal. Um, but they do have a lot of positive momentum right now. Uh, you know, Ole Miss was able to get Cam Franklin in on a couple of visits. I think this is his, or this past week was his second visit in three weeks, I think. So that's, I mean, that's really, really positive momentum for him. And then with the commits as well, it's, it's, it's building. So, yeah. You know, it's interesting because I don't really know what I think. Um, I, I, I'm, of me agrees with what you just said um, about the numbers. I think you're right. But I I can't help but be interested in some of what they've done. Now, look, not everybody who's committed to them right now is going to hold. Yeah, obviously. I mean, it's it's true. Someone will will bolt. They'll dump somebody. Um, And there's – but on the the flip side, there's probably – you know, there are going to be kids that flip to them, a couple at least. I mean, the one today that we're expecting is a flip. Um. I look at the numbers and, and I, I start to wonder if maybe this is a sign of two things. One, they've, they're, rec- they're able to, to recruit at a, at a higher level. They're able to recruit more kids that they evaluate um, well. Actually, three things. I'm wondering how much of this is Pete Golding's influence on the staff. And um, a part of me wonders if maybe this is a reflection on the cost in the portal is super high and maybe building half of your roster from the portal moving forward. I'm not saying what they did in the past was a bad thing at all, but maybe they're looking at the market and going, you can't really count on being able to do this year over year. We're going to have to do more of the traditional recruiting just because of budgets and such. I wonder if some of that is, is that as well. And instead of 
building the roster through the portal moving forward, I wonder if it becomes a situation where you use the portal to fill gaps, not to not to build roster. Yeah, I think that's mainly what I can like. That's the conclusion that I draw from it. Um, you know, if you look at the best programs in the country right now, the Ohio States, Georgia, obviously, um, Alabama, LSU, you know, these programs are, you know, they're not really focusing that much on the portal. Um, so I think the staff has kind of re- recognized that, hey, this is probably unsustainable. You know, you this turnover and everything like that, you know, with the culture and everything, you know, that's hard to do is to just have a new roster every year. So I think they've uh, realized and, you know, focused more on, hey, let's try to build from within. So, yeah, I, I think that's definitely right. Um, and, you know, if you look at I think really the portal is kind of like free agency. Obviously, it is. Um but I think if you, you know, this translates to professional teams, you know, I think the best teams, professionally speaking, whether it be baseball, basketball, football, you know, those teams draft well, they develop well, and then they plug their holes in free agency. You know, I think that teams, you know, the first team that pops in my head is the Mets. You know, they spend a bunch of money in free agency just to try to build the team. And, you know, back to back years, they've kind of just been, you know, stuck. At, yeah, stuck. And yeah. I think that's, you know, a culmination of, you know, you can't just buy your team. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, it's – it's um, as we – I mean, we're hours from the NBA draft as we tape this. By the time people hear this on podcast form, the NBA draft will be in the books. But if you if you look at the NBA teams that are contenders, that are – Nuggets just won a title. They're, they're home-built with the exception of the Aaron Gordon acquisition. They went out and made a move. They didn't make tons of moves. Um, Boston, you know, just made the big Marcus Smart trade, but that team was pretty much homegrown uh, for the most part. And um, the teams like in the NBA that are perpetually trying to build via free agency, they never seem to get there. They 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 don't ever seem to get over the hump. And so, it, and and it is culture. It's continuity. It's um it's all of those things. And um, we, I, I think I think you can draw some correlations to college sports i really do i and and i think i think they know it i i just think i think kiffin when he got here i don't know that you know the portal wasn't a real thing and then they lost the whole you know he got here in what december and they finished throwing together a recruiting class that got decimated by the change and then COVID hit yeah so you couldn't go recruit you know i mean you you couldn't and so you had to sign a first class by Zoom, and then they had a lot of holes, and they filled them in the portal, and then they kind of did the portal again. And it feels like this is the first time that they've that they really have a ton of traction on high school kids. That they've you know they've got they won eighteen games in the last two years. They've they've gone to a Sugar Bowl. Uh, they've they've you know had success on on national television and all that kind of stuff. And that now they can finally sell something to younger guys who may have been skeptical of them before. And and then also with NIL and pay for play or whatever you want to call it with the collective being in pretty good shape, they're able to compete on that front as well. So I I, I just think some of this might be organic and some of it might be systemic and it might just be a little bit of both. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. Um, and I've had people tell me, oh, well, it's just because of this this class in Mississippi being good. And, you know, really, I kind of think that, you know, I don't think Lane Kiffin and the staff really cares where you're from. You know, I think that, yeah, I think that this staff, I mean, I think that this class in Mississippi is obviously one of the best we've seen. 
but I don't think that they're just focusing on this high school class because it's so good. Um, well, yeah. look, whether it's whether it's realistic or not, I mean, I hear fans sometimes say, "Well, you can't do it at Ole Miss the way that you do it at Alabama or at Georgia." I'm not saying they're wrong. I'm not saying they're right. It really doesn't matter. I don't think Lane Kiffin thinks that way. Yeah. I think Lane Kiffin wants to be able to compete with Alabama and Georgia and LSU more than he is focused on let's beat Mississippi State. And so he's going to try to recruit those kinds of players. And I think the first couple of years that he was here, they didn't have enough success on the field proven to go do it. And so he did portal. And maybe now they're starting to feel like they're getting closer to that. So there are some big names in the state that are out there that people are talking a lot about. Um, Jamonte Waller just committed to Florida. Uh, I don't know whether I think that's over or not. It's June. Uh, it's safe to say Florida leads. Uh, Cam Franklin was at Ole Miss recently. He took a visit to uh, Tennessee recently. I think he's going to LSU or Texas A&M or somewhere soon. He's going to Miami uh, this weekend, or he was there yesterday. I don't know if that visit extends this weekend. But Tell me what you think about those guys and then any other players in Mississippi that sort of have your have your attention that you keep an eye on. Well, to be honest with you, I was never that high on Ole Miss's chances with Jamonte Waller just because they never really got him in for a visit. Um, I always thought it was going to be Penn State or Auburn. And Florida kind of came in and, you know, rolled out the red carpet and, you know, probably dropped a couple bags. But, you know, they got him. So I think Florida leads right now. That's for sure. Um, but I think it's far from over. Obviously, I think Ole Miss is going to make a push for him. Uh, I just don't know if it'll stick. Um, Cam Franklin you know, he is one to not really talk about his recruitment that much, not very, not be very public about it. Um, so, you know, I think Ole Miss is definitely in a good spot there, but I don't know. I mean, it's so early. It's June. You know, there was a coach that told me that real SEC recruiting doesn't really start until after the season. So, you know, we, we've got so much time, you know, until then. Um, but it's going to be a dogfight for him. You know, he canceled his visit to LSU. Um, I think right now, if I, I mean, if you put a gun to my head, I think it's between Miami and, you know, Tennessee and Ole Miss. And I, I, I don't know, I mean, which ones are, you know, which one is leading right now. But, you know, it's just, it's a tough, tough, you know, pull to be able to compete with the Miami and the Tennessee and stuff like that. Um, you know, there are a couple of other prospects. There's J.J. Harrell, who just committed to Mississippi State, um, along with Braylon Burnside. Um, and Braylon Burnside said that he's going to take the rest of his visits. He's got one toll miss scheduled. Um, and so, you know, I think his is definitely far from over. Um, and so, and JJ Harrell on Twitter said that his commitment was shut down. Um, but you know, I don't know what that means in this day and age, you know, just because your commitment is, is shut down, that doesn't mean that coaches can't reach out to you about, you know, different offers and stuff like that. And so, you know, I think his is probably going to have a little bit more drama. Um, and then there's one more. There's Narelle White, who is committed to Arkansas. And, you know, he kind of had the flirtation with the flip, I guess, was it last month? Um, and so... It was not a fun day for me. Um, that was, that was <laughs> yeah. not fun um, because, you know, I had been told March that he was going to commit. Um, he, he came up for either a practice one of the Saturday scrimmages or the spring game one or the other I can't remember which um I went ahead and wrote the story because I'd heard it was going to happen that weekend then I was told nope you're gonna do it on Easter and then um I was just told hey it's gonna happen soon and then that I woke up one morning and I saw that he had 
said Mary Flipmas and he and, and then some of the Ole Miss staffers had retweeted it. And it's six in the morning. I'm like, ah, do I wake people up or what do I do? And I'm like, I'm just going to write it. I'm just going to fix the story and publish it. And I did. And someone said it was down. And I was like, ah, damn it. And then because I knew I knew I was going to get all that stuff. And so I, I mean, I couldn't have. I took my flogging, Michael. I, I posted on the Ole Miss board. I even asked for permission to post on the Arkansas board that, hey, I'm sorry, I'm fixing it. Here's yeah. what happened. I didn't get flogged. Yeah, his- I got flogged a little, not not too, but the people who hate me enjoyed in, in, enjoyed watching me own it. But I don't know. It, and now I have people go, hey, his deal's not over. And I'm like, well, I'll tell you what, my deal with him is <laughs> until he's done something and he's put it out there and let it stay up for a while, I'm not touching it. Yeah, his uh, recruitment is definitely going to be, you know, it's going to have some drama in it to signing day. But, you know, I haven't really heard that much Ole Miss momentum recently. So I don't know if that if he's locked in with Arkansas now or, or what. But, you know, it's – and really his whole commitment to Arkansas was a shock because I heard back in – January that, hey, he's going to commit to Ole Miss over LSU. And then in, I guess, I can't remember what month it was now, but, and then boom, I don't know where he commits. He delayed his commitment and then he committed to Arkansas. So that kind of, you know, shocked a lot of people. And there were certain family members of his that were not excited about that decision. So his recruitment is definitely, uh, it's, it's got a lot of drama and I don't think it's going to be, I don't think it's far or I think it's far from over. So in the last month, uh, Ole Miss has added, uh, Cameron Beavers, Rajay Dennis, Joe Cryer, Jude Foster, Cameron Clark, Traveris Banks, John Wayne Oliver, Bernard Causey, and then one more that I, I'm not going to say it out loud here, even though by the time you hear and see this, it will have been done, but just in case. Um, is there anybody else that you have kind of on your radar as something that could happen, you know, in the relatively near future? Yeah, I think uh, Dylan Hip for starters, he's a 2024 tight end from Arizona. I think he's definitely a name uh, that people should keep their eye on. He's got a, uh, a visit with Baylor coming up, and then he's supposed to commit at the end of this month. Uh, Ole Miss is the leader in the clubhouse forum, and you know, I definitely think people should keep their their eye on his name. Um, you know, Maurice Davis Jr., who just took a visit last week. Um, I think Ole Miss is a leader for him as well. He did just lock up a uh, Florida State visit, um, so that you know could throw a wrench in his plans. He's committing. Uh, you talked to him. I think he's committing July, middle of July. Yeah, he had told me. I talked to him on Sunday. He'd gotten back from his visit. He's from Albany, Georgia. Um, I had talked to him, and at the time, he had already been to Louisville. He was going to uh, USF this weekend, and then. Um, or last weekend, I can't, whatever, this weekend coming up, I guess. And and then he was shutting it down. Um, and he said it was down to those three, but yeah, that was before Florida State moved in. I, I would, I would guess that given, given Florida State's momentum on the recruiting trail along with Ole Miss's, I would have guessed from talking to him. Now, again, I talked to him minutes after he got back from his visit. So he was still very much in the, you know, the post visit bump, but, um, I would have guessed that Ole Miss was going to get him. He said he was going to do it somewhere between July the 10th and July the 15th. So I don't know whether the Florida State visit changes that for him or not. Yeah. And then another prospect is uh, Anthony Robinson the third. So he just announced the top three of Ole Miss, TCU, and Notre Dame. Um, and I expect a commitment from him sometime soon, probably in the next week or so. Um, I really think it's down to Ole Miss and Notre Dame. 
Um, and I, I think Ole Miss definitely leads for them right now. So that, those are three names that, you know, I feel really confident about right now that Ole Miss is, you know, they feel good about and uh, three names that I definitely keep my eye on. And then I expect it to slow down a little bit uh, in, in, in July before the whole Juice Fest thing. They'll have their big event the end of the month. I want to say it's the 29th yes. of, uh, of, of July. And then after that, camp will get rolling. High school practices will get started. and It'll probably slow down until visit season. So I know you're going to take, uh, with the exception of Juice Fest, you're going to take July and, and August. You've got stuff going on. And then you'll uh, you'll be back in in this role in uh, in September, and I'll be I'll be thankful to have you back. Um, okay. Let's talk about a couple other things real quick while we got you. I know you're a Rockets fan, which is uh, yes, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's bad. No, being I had, an I Astros had a- being an Astros fan is pretty easy. Uh, being a Rockets fan is pretty hard. Um, that that is that is one interesting organization. I know that. Still, as we tape this, it's three hours before the draft. The Rockets have the fourth pick in tonight's draft. Not just the pick, but what 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 direction do you expect the Rockets to take? Because I don't understand the whole James Harden stuff, and I and I, I understand the Dylan Brooks stuff even less. And you've got a young team with uh, with Green and and Jabari Smith, and and you're going to add another presumably young player tonight. And then on the flip side you're going to go add Dylan Brooks and you're going to flirt with James Harden. Make me understand it. Yeah, well, there is no understanding. You know, the life of a Rockets fan is brutal. My my friend sent me a, uh, a screen or a video of the uh, 2018 Western conference finals game seven and just the, the missed calls against the warriors. And you know, that, that hurt a lot. And, but it, it's been, it's been pain. Um, but no, I, re- I really don't understand it because in my opinion, as a sports team, like, being just mediocre and stuck in the middle is the absolute worst thing a franchise can do because you're teasing the fans. You don't really, you you have to commit to either a full rebuild or you have to commit to just going all in. Um, that ownership and, there, know, he, he doesn't have the patience for a full rebuild. No. And that's, that's the frustrating thing is because if you rebuild, right, if you, if you're patient, if you have the right people, then, you know, in, three, four years or two, three, four years, however many, you know, it'll pay off, hopefully, if you hire the right people. But yeah, Tillman Fertitta is not very patient. Um, and so I really don't know. But, you know, I assume that they're going to get Eamon Thompson. And I just, it's just a weird team. You know, they last year, they were awful on defense. They were so undisciplined. There's so many chemistry issues, locker room issues. You know, I think it was John Wall went on the podcast and was talking about just how, like, the players acted. You know, I mean, talking about how, you know, what talking back to the coaches and everything, like, no discipline. And as a Rockets fan, that's awful to hear because it's like, oh, great. You know, I've been through two seasons of absolute misery, and I'm I'm glad that it's not going anywhere, you know. So I really don't know. It, it's really frustrating to be a, a Rockets fan. And it's really sad to see because, you know, a team like Denver trusted the rebuild process. You know, their owner was like, okay – We'll trust it, you know, and they, and it paid off. I mean, now they're, you know, they're probably odds on favorite next year and, you know, they have a window now. Yeah. For and sure. so it's, it's just, it's frustrating to see. Um, and I really don't know, you know, I, I hate being at, you know, the bottom, but I don't want to be stuck in this mediocrity with, if we take on Paul George's contract or sign James Hart, like why, what is the purpose of it? I, I don't know, man. It, it's, 
I hate it. I hate yeah. being a Rockets fan, but it is. It's like it's like the Texans, but yeah, it's another story entirely. Although they appear to have some direction now, the Texans. No, we do. I'm, I'm so happy about it. Yeah. I really am. I love D'Amico. I think I, you know. I think we're in a, we're going places. It's rebuilds are interesting because most don't work. Most yeah. rebuilds fail. Um, very few have, of them work. They require some luck, and in the NBA, they require lottery ping pong ball luck. Yeah. You know, you have to have you have to have some luck. Um, you've got to you, you've and then you've got to draft well, and then you have to be patient. And that is really hard to get all of those things in lined up, especially in a in a market where the fans, you know, because look, your attendance, no matter how how rabid your fan base is, when the Nuggets weren't very good, their fans weren't there. And you know, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, like the last couple of years that I noticed the Thunder are starting to do this thing about their fans. I'm like, man, the last couple of years, that's been an easy ticket if you wanted to go to a Thunder game, you know, and 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 so like they're they're getting closer to being in the playoff mix and 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 maybe being able to get to that place where you pull the lever on going for it. You know, like Denver, mm-hmm. the lever was was getting Aaron Gordon. It was there, okay, we're a piece away, let's go do it. And um but that man, if you pull the lever too soon, you're you're screwed. You just you 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 just tailspin and and you get in uh, you get in that purgatory like you talked about. It's like the Clippers; they're a prime example. Are you vacationing on Florida's Emerald Beach this summer? Whether you're staying from 30A to Pensacola Beach or anywhere in between, please check out Captain Lee Comerford with Salty Lab Charters, licensed and insured. He offers custom excursions such as dolphin watching along Destin beaches. Crab Island sandbar experiences, and much more. He's an Ole Miss grad, an Air Force veteran. He has more than 30 years of boating experience along Florida's Emerald Coast. All trips are private to your group, so check him out on Instagram or book today at saltylabcharters.com. Please use the code REBELGROVE20 to save 20%. Uh, this is a code is good through the end of the month. You can apply the code to any charter booked in 2023. So again, that's saltylabcharters.com. Uh, Lake Kill Motors in Corinth, Mississippi is the place to go to get the zero-turn Bobcat mowers. They have a complete line of mowers ranging from the entry-level residential ZT2000 with a cutting speed of 7 miles per hour to the top-of-the-line commercial ZT7000 with a mowing speed of 13 miles per hour. All Bobcat mowers come with the trademark Tough Deck Cutting System constructed with heavy-gauge fabricated steel for durability and improved vacuum lift, providing a reliable, perfectly manicured finish every time. The Bobcat line is priced below MSRP, comes with a three-year warranty, and currently Bobcat is offering 0% financing for 60 months or up to $2,000 cash discounts for cash purchases or financing at regular rates. So get you can also get $100 off if you mention that you heard about it on the podcast. Contact Michael McCullough in Corinth at 662-871-6918 or visit him in person, 2003 Highway 72 East Annex in Corinth. Walk-On's Sports Bistro puts everything they've got into bringing you game day with the taste of Louisiana. Dig into their mouth-watering, made-from-scratch Louisiana cuisine, po'boys, gumbo, voodoo shrimp, plus fan favorites like juicy burgers and fresh salads, all in front of 70-plus TVs, 40-plus ice-cold beers on tap. Check them out in Oxford or Ridgeland, Mississippi today. The College Corner is your one-stop rebel shop. 
It's uh, go, two locations in the Jackson area, one in Ridgeland, one in Flowood, and another coming soon in Oxford. We'll have more details on that as the summer progresses. For the meantime, you can visit collegecornerstore.com, plus you can find them on Facebook and Instagram with the largest selection of Rebel gear in central Mississippi. Brought to you by Comer Heating and Air, Southern Air Conditioning and Heating, different names, but the same great products and services. If you live in Oxford, Tupelo, or the surrounding area, call Comer, 662-801-1777. If you live in Hernando, Memphis, or the surrounding area, call Southern, 662-429-4429. A-Stock is a Nashville-based online retail company with the mission to provide their customers the power to name their price. All items start at just $1. That's right. Every item starts at just $1.00 no matter what the retail value may be. Shop now at astock.bid, that's A-S-T-O-C-K dot B-I-D, or download their app, name your price on thousands of items from big-name retailers. A-Stock has multiple locations around Nashville as well as Memphis, uh, Selma, Indiana, and uh, more locations coming soon that offer local pickups, so don't miss out. And we're brought to you by Game Changer Patches, the only two-patch system available in the market to stop hangovers before they start. The warm-up patch used before or while you drink. The overtime patch used after you've been drinking to recover while you sleep. The all-natural ingredients will keep you in the game and ready for your next play. So go to GameChangerPatch.com, promo code REBELGROVE20 at checkout for 20% off your purchase. Yeah, and they've had bad luck. Yeah. You know, I mean, when when Paul George and Kawhi Leonard are on the floor together, fully healthy, they're, they're an elite team. It's just neither one of those guys are... On the especially Kawhi, I mean Paul Paul George just got hurt, but Kawhi's always got stuff. Um, you're 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 a major league baseball fan. You're a big um, you're a big Astros fan. Your Astros, uh, as of this taping, five and a half out in the uh, American League West, behind Texas, just a game, a half game ahead of the Angels, who are kind of hanging in there. The uh, as of today. The uh, Astros would get the last wild card spot right ahead of the Angels, the Blue Jays, two and a half ahead of the uh, of the Red Sox, four and a half ahead of Cleveland and Seattle, and then there's a fall off after that. In terms of the sport, I don't know that Major League Baseball has ever been healthier than it, at least from a, they made some changes. People like the changes. The games are moving faster. Stolen bases are back in the game. Um, there's a lot of really talented young people, young pitchers, young hitters in the game. There's a absolute generational superstar in Shohei Otani in the game right now. What's your uh, What's your thoughts on just the state of Major League Baseball? I love it. I mean, there's this false notion that my brother, who's 40, that his generation, not to call him out, that his generation has that baseball is dead. And to me, it's not. You know, blackouts do suck, and that. That's a whole different topic that I could rant for an hour on. But, I mean, you know, you have young teams winning everywhere. Baltimore is one of my favorite teams to watch just casually. I mean, they have so many young – you know, Adley is great. Gunnar Henderson's up and coming. And they've got guys in the pipeline. I mean, Cincinnati is, you know, they've won, what, 11 in a row? I mean, De La Cruz is just absolutely electric to watch. Now, I think that they'll eventually fall down to earth a little bit. Their pitching staff is not the best, and Hunter Green just went on the I.L., but, I mean, it's it's awesome. And I think if you ask Rob Manfred, hey, what is your dream season, this is it. Because outside of four teams, you know, everyone's really in contention. Um, and that's kind of, you know, it's going to force the deadline to be a lot more interesting. Um, I think teams are going to have to overpay just because of how many, you know, non-sellers, you know, sellers, how little sellers there are. 
And I think the league is just, it's great right now. It's must-see TV. Um, and it's just, it's really entertaining for me as a baseball fan because every night there's an intriguing matchup. All right, let's let's go through the divisions a little bit. We'll take a quick, almost at the halfway point, visit on uh, on Major League Baseball. The AL East will start there. You mentioned Baltimore. They're, uh, Baltimore 17 games over 500. 45 yeah. and 28, but they're five back of Tampa in the uh, in the American League East. Tampa 52 and 25. 32 and 8 at home. That's, I mean, that that home record, home field advantage in the trop, uh, that's great. And if the playoffs started today, the Yankees would, would make it as a wild card along with Baltimore. The Yankees are 41 and 33, um, nine and a half off the, off the pace. Obviously, it's a loaded division. Tampa's played great baseball the whole season. You mentioned Baltimore. Of those teams, though, if I told you that one of them was in the World Series, one of those three teams, which one would you would you put your money on? I'd probably put my money on Tampa Bay. Um, you know, just because I feel like the Yankees every year are I don't really like how their roster is built. Um, they strike out too much. There's not a lot of contact in there. Even with their signing of Anthony Rizzo a few years ago, or trading, or I guess it was it a trade or something? I can't remember. And you know they. It was a trade at the deadline. Cubs yeah. traded him on day before the deadline. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they re-signed him this year just to get some more contact in that lineup with DJ LeMahieu. But they strike out too much, and, you know, that's not really a good recipe for postseason baseball. Uh, I really like Baltimore, but they're just a little young. They kind of remind me of, like, a, a 2015 Astros team, really young and up-and-coming with a lot of talent. But, you know, just, you know, their starting pitching is solid, but they probably need to make a, an addition or two. Um, but they're they're definitely on the rise. Um, and Tampa Bay is just complete. I mean, they've got stars everywhere. Wander Franco, Tyler Glass now. I mean, they're just, they're loaded. Um, and if they can, you know, their pitching staff has actually been banged up a little bit. And so if they can get healthy, I mean, it's it's going to be tough to beat them. All right. The Central in both leagues is awful. But we're going to talk about the American League first. Minnesota's a 500 team, and they've got a one-game lead over the Guardians, who are two behind, two under 500. Detroit is 32 and 41, four and a half back. Probably cursing a little bit because there's pro- that's just close enough for your fans to get pissed at you if you don't if you don't try to do something. But when you're nine games under 500, you know you're not a championship caliber team and you probably should move. And they've got Heimer Candelario at third and they could move him and probably yeah. get some pieces for him. And they probably will. Here's my question. Either Minnesota or Cleveland, either one of those teams have enough to win a playoff series. You know, Minnesota has the the front line pitching with Joe Ryan and Sonny Gray, um, and Cleveland. They've been Cleveland has really been one of my most disappointing teams this year. You know, I expected them with Jay Ram. They signed Josh Bell, Shane Bieber. I expected them to be you know really really good, and it's just kind of gone to for lack of a better word, shit, you know, Zach, please, Zach got DFA. They've just, they've struggled all around. Um, Minnesota might be able to win a playoff series, but I, I just, I don't know. I really don't see the central. There's one thing that a lot of baseball fans don't understand about the central markets in both. It's that outside of the Cardinals and Cubs, you know, there's really not a major market in there. And so that's why a lot of those teams kind of struggle, but um, you know, Minnesota, maybe, but if you're Cleveland, if you're Detroit, if you're the White Sox, you have to be thinking about a rebuild. I mean, you have to. You're stuck in this middle, like I was talking about. You're mediocre. 
you know, the Chicago White Sox were so promising two years ago, and now it's just it's awful. I mean, they've got players requesting trades. I mean, it's it's terrible. But yeah, if I had to, I mean, I wouldn't feel great about picking Minnesota winning a series, but they're probably the the team in the central that could probably do it. Like I said, your Astros are five and a half back in the, uh, in the AL West behind Texas. What do you think of the Rangers? Um, obviously the, the Astros are, are a um, championship DNA team and no one's counting them out until they're out. And then I want to get your thoughts on uh, the angels, the angels 41 and 35. They're in the race probably entering a six-week period that uh, that organization has dreaded for a while where if they get hot, super, right? You just you just ride with it and see what happens. But if they don't, if they tread water or if they lose ground, they have a remarkably difficult decision to make in, in a, involving a once-in-a-generation type player. Yeah. Well, I think the Rangers are legit. I think they're a little, probably a little bit overinflated. They've played a really easy schedule um thus far but i think they are legit um you know the one concern i have with them is starting pitching depth um and their bullpen is kind of shaky but their lineup is the best lineup in baseball right now you know they've got a 152 or a 153 run differential i can't remember off the top of my head um but i mean their their lineup just rakes uh the astros you know we've struggled with injuries a lot you know we missed altuve was out for gosh, I guess a month and a half. And, you know, we just lost the cornerstone of our lineup in Jordan Alvarez, you know, about a week ago. So our offense is terrible. Um, and our pitching staff is okay. We're, we've lost two arms to, they were both on the 60 day. I think Jose Arquidio will come back and Luis Garcia had Tommy John surgery. Um, but we need, we need a couple of, you know, bats at the deadline. And the problem with that is there's not a lot of sellers and the teams that are selling, the Royals, the Rockies, and the A's, they don't have pieces that you really want to trade for, offensively speaking. Maybe a couple players, but nothing, you know, out of the ordinary. And the Angels, I mean, another team that's kind of always been stuck in that that middle level. It's like, yeah. what do you've had two of the two of baseball's best players of all time? Shohei Otani is probably my favorite non-astro outside of Luis Arias. But I mean, what do you do? You know, he's you're, my favorite player, including all the guys that played for the Cubs. I mean, <laughs> I, I, I love Shohei Otani. I, I have, I mean, I, 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 there's nothing about him that I don't just absolutely love. I mean, and if you're baseball, you like, we need this guy in the postseason. I mean, look at all, what yeah. with the World Baseball Classic. I mean, he took that event, which in the past has been like, oh, this is kind of cool, whatever, and. That, when he pitched against Trout at the end and all that stuff, I mean, it was the it was a huge sports moment. Can you imagine that in October? They need him in October, you know. And and I, I I interrupted you. I just think it's the most fascinating story. What do you do if you're the Angels and over the next six weeks you just sort of play 500 baseball and Texas runs away and and or Houston runs away. And the AL East teams continue to run away. I mean, what what do you what do you do when you go? Okay, well, we've got two months left with this generational talent. We're not going to the playoffs. He's not going to sign with us. Do you do you try to get value as as a rental, or do you just ride it out and go? Oh, we're going to let him hang out here next to Disneyland until the last possible minute. Well, you know. It's it's a tough decision, but it really depends on what their owner wants to do. 
does the owner want to be a franchise that's profitable and will make money? Because, you know, regardless of, you know, fans know that's their last time to see Shohei. So there's going to be some, because he's not re-signing with LA, the Angels at least. And so if I was a GM and we're playing 500 baseball, I I mean, I would trade him because if you, obviously you're going to need ownership approval trading that, you know, that star, but you know, you have to put what's best for your team and what's best for your team is not getting a draft pit, you know, making him a qualifier. Can he be qualified as be qualifying free agent? Can he be made an offer? I can't remember. I probably should search that. So, but even if he could, he's not going to take it. Yeah. You get a draft and you get it, but come on. That's yeah, exactly. So would you rather do that or as opposed to if you put him on the market, for example, you're going to get the bet, the biggest haul of all time of any deadline acquisition. If, if, If you put him on the market today, a team like the Yankees, a team like the Braves, the Dodgers even. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll talk about the National League in a minute, but th- there's a number of teams. The, the, there's a number of teams that would go. Two things they'd say. Number one, he's probably worth it for two months on the field. Yeah, yeah. might might push us over the top. Might take a a good team and make it a great team. Um, could be a huge difference maker in a series. Um. And then, hey, we could show him our culture for two months. You know, I mean, it wouldn't be a negotiating window officially, formally, but informally it would be. Yeah. Informally, you'd be saying, hey, look, this is what we're all about. This is, you know, and and you'd have that fresh in his mind when November rolled around. And, you know, I, I, I can see how that's an advantage. Is, is that worth giving up four top prospects? I don't know. Depends on who you are and how deep your your franchise is and how much you believe in your ability to to sell him and what you believe about how open-minded he truly is at the end of the season. But Yeah, if, no, I mean if you're the Angels letting him walk away at the end of September with nothing but a draft pick or less is brutal. To me, there's only two options the Angels have. If they play or if they're in the playoff hunt, you keep them yeah. because playoff revenue everything like that. And if you're around 500 or, you know, I think teams usually like to be around five and a half at the all-star break, five and a half back from either a wild card spot, divisional spot, you know, that's kind of the target area. If you're beneath that, you trade them. I know it sucks. I know the fans would be awful, you know, would hate, would hate the decision, but you know, Juan Soto got three top 100 prospects for him. Shohei Otani would get four potentially, you know, I mean, it, he would get four and some fringe 150 guys. I mean, he would return. He would be the, I mean, his return would be insane. And so I think that's something that you have to do. I agree completely. All right, let's talk uh, some National League before we uh, get out of here. The We'll start in the East. We start in the East on the American League. The Braves playing great baseball. They're 22 over 500. They have a six and a half game lead over the uh, Marlins, a 10 game lead over the, the uh, Phillies, 14 over the, the the Mets. They're 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 abysmal. Um, I think Atlanta is um, probably my favorite right now to, to to win the World Series. I I picked them before the season to win the World Series, and at the time I thought this is just kind of taking a flyer, but I just think they have a, a very complete team. I loved the acquisition of Sean Murphy in the off season. Um, they they haven't missed a beat without Dansby Swanson. The depth of their organization is tremendous. They they pitch it well. Their bullpen's good. Everything about them, they don't really have a weakness. I I, I love them in the National League, at least, to to get to the World Series. Yeah, no, I do too. Um, 
you know, I think their one deadline acquisition is probably going to be an arm, you know, just with the amount of injuries they have right now with their arms. And, you know, it's hard to depend on a 40 or 39 or 40. I can't remember how old Charlie Morton is. Um, it's hard to depend on that. But, yeah, I mean, they're playing amazing baseball. And with Austin Riley kind of having a down year, um, Orlando Arcia has stepped up and should probably – he should be the, the starting uh, shortstop in the All-Star game. I don't know if he will or not with voting and everything, which is another tangent I could get on. Um, but, no, yeah, I mean, they're probably the most complete team in baseball. They have studs in their bullpen. I mean, their lineup is – there's not really an easy out. Mike Harris is back to hitting – um, I mean, they're they're really fun to watch. And, you know, I, I as well took them. I think I had them at I can't remember what odds I had them at. I want to say like I think the Astros were at like 650 and they were at like seven. But, yeah, I, I took uh, I took Atlanta to, to win the World Series this year as well, as well as the Astros. You know, that was my heart bet. But I had to bet with my my brain a little bit. So I didn't take anybody out of the central. I thought the division would be bad. I didn't think it would be this bad. Um, Cincinnati's won 11 in a row. They're not obviously going to keep up that pace. They're 40 and 35 as we tape this. I need my readers to read my phone. Uh, they're 40 and 35. Game and a half up over Milwaukee. The Brewers are two over 500. The Cubs are next, two under 500, three and a half back of the Reds. Pittsburgh has uh, cooled off considerably. They've lost nine in a row. They're now um, 34 and 39, five games out of the lead. St. Louis, who I thought would win the division. It's 31 and 44 as they uh, get ready to play the Cubs in London. Nine games back in yeah. the National League Central. Um, there's a lot there. It's it's interesting. So the Brewers and the Cubs have some guys that um, could fetch value in the market. Yeah. Um, you know, the Cubs could probably get a pretty nice package for Marcus Stroman. One hundred percent. Yeah. Um. They they could probably get a pretty nice package. Not a nice. They could get a nice piece for Kyle Hendricks, who's mm -hmm. got an expiring contract. Would would help a team in a postseason the way he's pitching right now. Um, you know, um, Cody Bellinger has um, he had the knee injury that made him miss a month, but he looks like he's getting back into form. Could play the outfield. Can play first base. Uh, his bat is not MVP caliber, but it's better than it was the last couple of years. Milwaukee could probably get a ransom for Corbin Burns if they put him on the market. Yet those teams are sitting there a, a game and a half back in Milwaukee's case, three and a half back in the Cubs case of a Cincinnati team that, yeah, they're, they're rabid right now, but they're going to cool off and, and, and they don't really have anybody that's been there before with the exception of Joey Votto. That's a really tough call for those teams. And I think in the Cubs case, this is probably going to hurt you a little bit, but they're, I think their expected win loss is 40 and 34, which would put them at the, at the front of the division. Yeah. You know, I think yeah. the, they're the only team with a positive run differential in that, in that division at like plus 25 or something like that. Mm -hmm. So I think, you know, with the Cubs that, you know, Stroman is on an expiring deal. I think you definitely trade him. No disrespect to Marcus Stroman, but he hasn't really shown that he could be a consistent pitcher. Uh, throughout his career. So I think you definitely move him because, you know, it's like the Cubs are going through a rebuild stage. You know, they've got some good young pieces. Uh, Christopher Morrell, by the way, is still on a tear. Um, yeah. He's cooled down a little bit, but, you know. Um, and so I think you have to move Stroman. You, you know, you have to move him for some prospects because 
I mean, why keep him? I, I know he's probably going to want five years, well, four or five years, twenty million. The, the the problem they have is is a PR problem. The baseball side, and and it's boy, it's easy for the Jed Hoyers of the world to say we don't make emotional decisions. I get it. I do. One hundred percent. If you're in it, say you're at, at July the what's today? July June the twenty second. Say July the twenty second. And you look up and you're two games back of the lead. Do you have a championship team? Nope. But you've got that place getting rowdy. Fans are showing up. It's exciting again. You're selling tickets for a playoff race. Yeah, Yeah. it's full, you know, and people are getting excited again. When you sell off Marcus Stroman in an offseason where Shohei Otani is going to be the market in the market, and then you don't bid aggressively on Otani. Man, you you are you are really running the risk of of pissing off the fan base to a point where it's not tenable for you as ownership. Yeah. As ownership, so I think what's interesting is, and in, in even today in London, um, Ricketts was asked about Strowman, and he made some comment about you know that's up to Jed, but we really hope that ends in a favorable manner. And you're like, boy, there you go. You know, I mean, there you go. You, you're 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 feeling the heat because you, you had this homestand recently where they won five out of six. They swept the Pirates. They took two out of three from the Orioles, and people get excited. You go to Pittsburgh, and you sweep them, and now you go to London to play this big publicized series and stuff, and you come back for a homestand, and I don't know. I'm I'm really interested to see what happens because everything in Jed Hoyer's background says that he sells at the deadline. Yeah. Well, I think... If you don't value, you know, this is obviously, I, I'm, I'm not a Cubs fan, but if you don't value Stroman in your plans going forward, which I think going forward, he's not an ace. I think he's a third rotate, third pitcher, you know, at best. And he's Maybe. 32, right? So if he wants exactly. to, I, I think if he asked for a two year deal, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But not you. But you he's going to want a four or five year deal. And I, I, I can't do that. You look at what Texas just saw with Jacob deGrom. I mean, you know, yeah. You can't. You can't can't do that. And so I think you move him. But if you move him, yes, the Cubs, I mean, they need to get – they need to make a run at Shohei. Because if, one, he's going to make your team tremendously better. Like he's not like a free – he's not like a Jose Abreu where your fans are excited and he's 36 and you think it'll be good, but it's not good. Shohei Otani is going to be good. He may have a down year, but, I mean, he's still – you know, he's put together two, three seasons of – Oh yeah, I mean, he, I mean he, he, whoever he goes to, he completely changes their profile. Yes, and honestly, I mean, if you add, if the Cubs add Shohei, you know, with what they have right now, a lot of young pieces, you know, they're probably with with how the Central is. I mean, they're probably you know next year. This is you know way off in the distance, but yeah, sure. you, you know next year if they add Shohei, they're probably going to win that division. You know, I'm not saying they're going to win 100 games, but you know, probably like a yeah. 91, you know, 91. I don't, I, I don't think the Cubs are going to be in it. I, I'm, I'm. I'm very open about that. I, I think it's a it's a it's an optic of if you're not going to get him, and they're not, and you trade Strowman in the midst of a Cy Young caliber season, and if they voted for Cy Young today, he'd probably win it. Yeah. Um, then if, what are you doing? Yeah. Yeah. The, the question in a big market like Chicago, the the media is going to kill you and say, you know, why why can't why can't the Cubs spend like the Dodgers, like the Yankees, like the Red Sox? And in many ways, it's a fair question. And so it it's uh. That's where they're going. Let's let's switch to the West before we uh, we get out of here. Arizona might be the surprise team in baseball. 
Uh, 46 and 30, they lead. Another surprise team, the Giants, by three games. The Dodgers are right there, 41 and 33, four games back. Uh, the Padres, probably the biggest disappointment in baseball. They're 35 and 39 right now, 10 under. And then the Rockies, God bless them. Um, yeah, if you're a Rockies fan, I don't know how you've done it, man. I really don't. But And then they gave Chris Bryant all that money, and Chris Bryant's a great guy, and I love him. I'll always love Chris Bryant, but there was a – come on, man. I mean, you, you had to be thinking when you're another organization and you look around at two things, two things. Theo Epstein lets Chris Bryant walk, trades him at the deadline. He goes to San Francisco, and the Giants, one of the better organizations in baseball, make no effort to resign him after two months. Tell that should be a, yeah, that should, should, be should have been a should have been a, a a little bit of a flag. Yeah, it, it, you know the the West is just, with the Rockies specifically. Side note, I mean, what is their owner doing? You know, you trade Arenado because you're like, oh, we don't want to pay him, and then you fork out money for Chris Bryant, an aging star who's you know struggled with injuries and hasn't been has been and a shell of himself. Really. And the irony of it is, a year earlier, you could have traded Arenado to the Cubs for Bryant. Yeah. And avoided no, and avoided the contract. It's it's bizarre. Yeah. Um, do you share my opinion that this ultimately is going to be the Dodgers division again, or do you think either the Diamondbacks or the Giants can can pull this off? I think the Diamondbacks can pull it off. You know, I'm still going to bet with the Dodgers just because they have that pedigree of you know that's their division and it's theirs until someone takes it. Um, but Arizona's fun to watch, man. Corbin Carroll is having probably the best rookie season and it's barely being noticed by people. I mean, yeah. like baseball fans are like, Oh, he's good, but they don't realize that he's got, you know, nine fifty plus OPS. I didn't look and check this morning what it was at, but I mean, th this kid is great. I mean, they, they've got a really good lineup. Zach gallon has transformed into an elite pitcher, probably second in the Cy Young voting to, to Stroman. Yeah. And, you know, Arizona's a fun young team and San Francisco has just kind of, you know, been consistently good. You know, Lamont Wade jr. Is having a really great season. Um, so is J.D. Davis, former Astro prospect at third. He's having a really good season. So they've kind of overperformed. Uh, another team that's on a 10-game win streak is the Giants. And then the Dodgers, you know, they're kind of, you know, they had a fall off. You know, they didn't re-sign Seager. They let Turner walk. And so they don't have the star power that they used to. They saved up some money is what they did. They cleared out salary yes. so that they can go after Shohei. That's exactly what they did. They sacked. And it, hey, look, if they get Shohei. Yeah, I mean it was worth it because you you sacrificed a season to go get one of high. yeah, and um, you know they're a little bit younger, but I mean their development is insane. They just crap out prospects that are good major leaguers. So yeah. I think eventually they'll get back on track. Uh, interesting series. We play the Astros play in LA this weekend. I'm sure everything's going to be civil. You know, there's the fans are going to be very nice to us and everything like that. But to, no, I, I think – but the biggest story to me in the West outside of the Diamondbacks is the Padres. I mean, their owner, you know, historically a small market team in the Padres, you know, their owner was like, screw it, we're going to spend big big market money. And they did, and it has completely backfired. You know, they tried to build through free agency, which, you know, goes back to our point about, you know, the portal and everything. They built through free agency and trades, and then, I mean, it's just completely backfired. I mean – you they gave up their entire farm system for yeah. Juan Soto. And Juan Soto's been good, but he hasn't been what they thought they were trading for. It's why if I'm the Angels, the deal that I make, I trade Shohei to the Dodgers. I hold them ransom. I get four or five of their top prospects so that years from now, 
when Shohei's dominating up the highway, I can go, yeah, but we have these guys. We wouldn't have had these guys without him, blah, blah, blah. I, I, yes. that's, yeah. And then if I'm, if I'm the Dodgers, I'm, my hesitation is just that. It's, boy, look at the Padres. You know, I mean, Juan Soto was an amazing player, but he's just one guy, and, and I don't know. That's a weird team. As talented as that team is, they should be so much better. But, and I think there's something to to say about teams that have come up together, like no doubt, have come up together, have won together, have learned how to win. And I don't think San Diego's done that. You know, they've tried to bring a bunch of free agents together. It's the same thing in New York with the Mets. They tried to bring a bunch of guys together. I mean, Xander Bogarts and Juan Soto and Machado. You know, these guys don't have yep. any really chemistry or anything like that as opposed to the Braves who have all these guys that have played together we talked about the Orioles guys that have come up together and they took some lumps together and now they but they've been you know they all know each other and they're pulling for each other and all that stuff and and, and it just goes it's team sports team sports chemistry matters we talked we opened the conversation with Ole Miss we'll finish there it's it's the always been the thing that I've talked about I'm doing two radio spots tomorrow one in Alabama and one in Texas I know I'm going to get asked about Ole Miss on the portal and all of that stuff and and you know what do I think about their team? And it's it's I don't know. And that, that's not a cop out answer. It's just oh, the chemistry. You don't know how they're going to come together. I mean, they yeah. What happens if they get off to a bad start? Yeah. You know, I mean, what? Yeah, I mean, I, do they are they talented? Yeah, of course. I mean, I, I think they have the talent to win ten games. Um, but the culture stuff. Lane talked about it last year. He brought it up. We didn't bring it up. Lane brought up culture uh, last year in the preseason over and over and over. It's because it was something that was on his mind. And, and um, you know, they, they for, by necessity, I think in large part because Pete Golding got to campus and said, we don't have enough good players. They went and got a whole bunch of guys, 14 defensive transfer portal guys. Maybe that, maybe it works. Maybe it does. Maybe it doesn't. I don't know. We'll see. I mean, it's one of those things. But yeah, you know, culture. If guys like you and me who watch a lot of pro sports, we see that culture matters, that chemistry matters, that you can tell teams that like each other and teams that don't. In the yeah. end, in the end, it's about talent. But there is more to it than talent. Yeah. No, I definitely agree. Michael, enjoy your uh, weekend. Thanks so much for your work, and uh, enjoy your uh, your what's coming up with your summer. And, and we'll uh, we'll be in touch soon. Yeah, thank you, Neil. Thank you for having me. That's Michael Luker. Appreciate you, bud. Our thanks to uh, both Kerry Murdoch and Michael Luker for their time today, tonight on uh, Hand Raise Guys. I uh, got this one in a little later than I thought I would. Uh, LSU Wake Forest playing uh, right now in a decisive game in Omaha. The winner faces Florida in the championship series. I don't have that game on. I don't even know the score. I just saw that they had gotten started. The NBA draft, as I finish this up, is about 23 minutes away. Uh, we'll talk about all of those things uh, Monday on the Oxford Exxon podcast. Again, this will be up in podcast form uh, as the Friday Oxford Exxon podcast, and then we'll stop for the week, get back next week. Probably one more week of shows before we sort of take a break um, of sorts with the Oxford Exxon podcast as well. But I'll be back with Chase Parham on Monday. Until then... Uh, Have a great weekend. Stay safe. Take care.